Well, let's talk about this uh, gentleman here named Sixto Rodriguez. And I think as we've talked before, everybody's life can be an example or a warning. And what you'll see here is both in the fascinating story of this gentleman. We know his story because of Craig Stridham, a journalist. Now, what took place is Sixto Rodriguez was a, a singer, a musician in Detroit back in 1971. And he had this voice that was legendary. So much so, a, a producer gave him an album deal. And the problem was, the album, it didn't sell. And so they thought maybe the, the songs were wrong. So they produced a second album. And that one didn't sell either. In fact, DJs, they wouldn't play the music. And, and so Sixto Rodriguez, he's got this legendary voice. And now two albums... But he's not on the radio, and nobody's buying these albums. The producer decides, let's then have a concert tour so we can get his name out into the public. The challenge was, Sixto Rodriguez, he liked to just play and sing. He didn't want to put on a concert, so he would play with his back to the audience. And this was not received very well. In fact, it said at the last concert he gave, 1971, he was playing with his back to the audience. The crowd began to boo. So the concert was ended, and the story was that Sixto Rodriguez sank into depression, he went home, and he took his own life. However, this is Sixto Rodriguez very much alive today. And what took place from that moment when people believed he ended his life to what we know about him very well and alive today is absolutely just fascinating. Let me read Luke chapter 1. Starting verse 47, this is Mary's song. She's told Elizabeth that now she is the mother-to-be to give birth to Jesus, the Messiah. And listen to her words. This is out of the message translation. And just listen to her sense of reverence and awe, just celebrating this life of faith. I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm and showed his strength and scattered the braggarts. He embraced his chosen child. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. And she closes with, it's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. You know, God's promises, they go on for centuries to all who will simply receive them. And so Mary, she says, his mercies are piled high, and mercies are piled high on top of those mercies. And the promises of God, they go on for centuries. And she says, you know, just as it was for Abraham, it was for Mary. And those of us who trust in Christ say the same thing. Those promises of God, you know, his mercy and thousands of other promises are ours today because those promises extend through the centuries for those who would receive it, those who would believe in that. Dwight Moody, the very, very popular preacher in the 1800s, was given a sermon in Chicago, and he shared that this man came in the back door and sat down, and it was clear that he had been drinking, and he sat down and began to weep. And after the, the service, Dwight Moody sat beside this man who was still weeping, and he asked, can I help you? And the man said, the only thing that I've thought of since I have walked in here is the words on that sign on the wall. And Dwight Moody turned and looked, and there on the wall was a sign that simply said, God is love. And this man wanted to know if that was really true. And as Moody would share with him, it was. And he was then 
one who gave his life to Christ there in that moment. You know, Max Lucado said it well, you can't fall beyond his love. And so that's true for us today. It's true every day. It's, it's true as we enter into a new year where maybe there's some new beginnings, some things that need to be restarted in our life or, or some things need to be given birth to. And we celebrate and say, you know, God is the one who's piles mercy upon mercy. You know, Karl Barth is one of the most popular theologians in, in the last number of decades. He was from Switzerland, and I've not tried to crack his books. You know, one of the books he wrote, six million words, if you can imagine. But notice one of the deepest theologians, his books used in seminaries. He only came to the United States one time. And he was famously giving this lecture where he gave a question and answer period afterwards. And, and one of the people there said, could you summarize you know, the, your vast volume of work for people that can't delve into that? And famously, Karl Barth, you know, he sat silently for a few moments. And he said, I would summarize my work with this. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. And so it is for us that walk in faith and say the same thing, that it is Christ whose love draws us to follow after him. And I want to encourage us today, if we've been a, you know, if we've been a spectator, to become a participant. And I'll give you some examples of people that gave birth to new things in their life. And, and some are, are big changes. Some were smaller changes. You know, not everybody's going to be called to become a missionary. It might be a, a call to have a simple conversation but it's, it's time to say you know because his mercies are piled high i want to follow after him and i'll give you what paul had to say about this in his own life here in a moment you know edward lorenz the mathematician you know back in the 60s he created what's known as the butterfly effect and this idea was mocked for a number of years in fact, like 20 25 years other scientists made fun of this idea of the butterfly effect and you know, the butterfly effect is this idea that if a, a butterfly flaps its wings, it'll put molecules of air in motion that put more molecules of air in motion. And maybe across the ocean, a hurricane could be sent spinning. And the idea, again, has been tested now by science. And they do say these small actions do create this ripple effect. And the butterfly effect is very real. But on a, on a personal level, I think Palmer Chinchin puts this well what if everything you do has eternal consequence what if every conversation matters what if every action has extraordinary consequences coffee with a co-worker that's sad a phone call to your son at college inviting your neighbor for dinner telling your daughter she's beautiful what if every moment mattered you know, the truth is it does. And God wants to use your life to shape and change the world. And what you and I do today has a ripple effect that'll make a wave on the other side of the world and even impact, you know, a generation to come. So let's talk again about this idea of becoming a participant and not a spectator. Let's start with Paul's words. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. The context here is Paul. He's been praying to go to Ephesus. And Ephesus is the seat of of this cult of goddess worship and they worship the goddess diana and paul wants to bring the gospel there and he does and he stays for three years and he plants churches has this incredible ministry but here's his statement to the church in corinth before he goes to ephesus a great 
an effective door has been opened to me. A great and effective door has been opened for me. He finishes that statement in a moment, but let's focus on that part there. A great and effective door has been opened. That we can say on a daily basis that God opens doors, and it's our job to to step through those doors and follow that opportunity. Even if we don't know what's next, we just simply say, I know the step he's calling me to is to move in this direction. And I'll give you some examples of people that went through an open door here in just a moment. But again, the challenge for us to begin to pray and say, God, what is it you want me to do? What door are you opening to me as I enter into this new year? And for some, it might be a real radical change in life. For others, again, it might be something that you can... You know, start today right where you are. You know, there's a great study on the, on the word authentic. And people talk about authenticity today. And everybody's looking for it and struggling to find it. But here's the thing, the word authentic, it comes from the Greek word authentikos. It means to have full control or power over. To be authentic has full control or power over. And what that means is to have control or power over oneself versus allowing social influences to have power over who one is. And people are dying to know something authentic. They're dying to know somebody that's not a, a spectator that talks about life, but somebody that participates in an authentic life in Christ and follows him and says, listen, here is how you live in the truth, regardless of the herd mentality, regardless of what takes place you know, in the culture. Authenticity is holding fast to what is true, regardless of what everybody else says or does. That we might live and be that type of authentic person. Again, because it's his mercies piled high and he is opening doors for each one of us on a, on a daily basis that we're called to step through. You know, Edward Farrell shared this beautiful story that he went from Detroit to Ireland and he was celebrating with family there. He had an uncle. This uncle was having his 80th birthday. And so Edward Farrell said they had this party, went to bed. He got up the next day with his uncle they wanted to watch the sunrise, and the two of them, they went to the ocean, and he said it was this beautiful moment where we sat in silence for 20 minutes. After that 20 minutes, he said his uncle just began to kind of smile, laugh, and he went over and started to, to walk in the water, and Edward Farrell said, you know, uncle, you look very happy. Do you want to tell me why? And listen to the words of his uncle. Yes, lad, my uncle replied, tears streaming down his face. You see, the father is very fond of me. My father is so very fond of me. When we can stop and see that fondness God has for us, that his love is higher than the heavens are above the earth, may it push us forward to stop being a, a spectator, but rather become that participant go through whatever open door is before you and the one before me and trusting again that as we make that step we're in the loving hands of Christ you know going back to Sixto Rodriguez think about this ripple effect again most people thought he took his own life and 
we'll find out again how that came to light that he did not. But the reason they thought it is because he basically vanished. But here's what happened. 1971, the crowd booed. He goes into depression and he disappears. But something amazing happened. He had this album called Cold Fact. Again, it wasn't received here, wasn't played on the radio. But there was one person, think about this, one person, she left on vacation from the U.S., took his album on a trip to South Africa. When she was there, she played the album to some friends. They loved it. They said, can I make a copy of that? They made copies, shared it with friends who made copies, and copies after copies after copies were made, thousands and thousands. In fact, what happened is it said he became more popular than Elvis. And his music spread across this country, and it said for 10 years, you couldn't turn on the radio, go to a restaurant, go to a party, we did not hear Sixto Rodriguez's music being played. It became so popular, this gentleman named Steven Siegerman in 1983 went to South Africa to open a record store to sell authentic copies of his albums. This popularity continued. Then something happened in 1997, 25 years since that concert when he was booed in 1971. 1997 is when Craig Stridham, a journalist, found out about this popular music in South Africa. He recognized the music and said, that's that gentleman who supposedly took his life back in 1971. 25 years later, he's seen this music impacting South Africa. So they decide, him and another guy, let's try to track down what actually took place that night after the concert. They begin to advertise seek out online anybody know what happened that night months and months and months go by and craig stridham gets an email listen to this email that he received sixto is alive and well he is my father but some things are better left a mystery Let's go back to paul's words he says again a great effective door has been opened to me and the next party says and there are many adversaries. Here's where a lot of people, you'll see them step back and disappear, like with Sixto. Sometimes the adversaries, you know, it's a spiritual warfare with, with the devil himself, but other times that adversaries, our own self-talk, the self-defeating talk. Sometimes that adversary, something years ago, a rejection or a criticism or someplace where we feel that we failed. Whatever that moment is, what Paul calls us to understand is when the door opens, there's many adversaries. I'll give you some examples of that, very raw examples. But the important point to understand is when Paul says that adversary or adversaries show up, that's a sign that you're doing the right thing. A lot of people see it as a sign to quit. They don't want to think about the rejections or the fears. But Paul says when the adversaries are there, you know you're doing the right thing. Consider Ted Decker, very popular author, written now more than 40 best-selling Christian novels, but he said it didn't start like that. He gave up a career to commit to writing. He wrote one novel. No agent would pick it up. So he put it in a drawer, wrote a second novel. Nobody, again, would pick it up. He did a third novel. Same thing happened. He wrote a fourth novel. Finally, that got picked up. Now, how many people would go past that first novel? But again, the adversaries show up, and Ted Decker said, I knew God called me to write. And so he put together, he said, four novels, 
before he got one to sell. And now his novels sell millions of copies. Anthony Hopkins, the, the well-known actor, shared just here a couple weeks ago. You know, he shared that, you go back to 1975, he was an alcoholic and it was destroying his health. He was in an AA meeting. He was an atheist. But somebody said, why don't you trust in God? He said, I'm an atheist. But he said, he went home, it was New Year's Eve. And a still small voice said, do you want to live or die? And he shared, I offered my first prayer. He said, I want to live. And God, this one who piles mercy on mercy, delivered him from alcohol. He shared now 45 years later, sober. And he shared a few days ago online, the peace and the joy that he's known since that moment of deliverance. Consider Dr. Paul Brand, who talks about his grandparents were missionaries in India, but where they were, nobody would come listen to them preach because there was a, a local Hindu priest who said anybody that listens to those Christians will be cursed. So people stayed away. And then one day this illness started to ravage the city and people were dying and this Hindu priest's wife was dying. So these missionaries were the ones that went to care for her. But then the Hindu priest himself got ill. And what do you think this couple did? They did the same thing. They went to care for him. He said to them, listen, I've served this community for years. Not one person's here except the two of you, the ones I've called my enemies. He said, I want a favor from you. I've got a daughter and I don't want her to end up like me. Would you adopt her? They did that very thing and eventually moved back to the U.S. That young lady became a, a mother, then eventually a grandmother. And this believer in Christ, her children and grandchildren are also following Jesus. The door opens and he says there's adversaries, but expect that and know that's a sign you're going the right way. Think about Acts chapter 8. We're told a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. All except the apostles were scattered. What do you think those scattered believers did? Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Those who were scattered preached the word wherever they went. You see, that door opens and the adversaries are there. But we serve the God who piles mercies on mercies. And greater is he in you than he that's in the world. Let me give you a very raw example of open doors and adversaries. This is shared by Melvin Newland. I'm just going to read his words, and I think you'll grasp here the, the gravity of what's taking place. Something happened last summer I want to share with you. One of my granddaughters, Allie, graduated from Dallas Christian College. Her goal was to serve on the mission field in India. She was invited by the Global Expedition Mission to be a group leader in Nepal and then to India. 49 people went. When they were done in Nepal, 26 flew back to the U.S. That left two men, Allie, and 20 teenage girls to go to India. When they got to New Delhi, the taxi company that was hired did not send vans. As told, they sent seven taxis. Each driver was given instructions where to take the passengers. The first two taxis took one of the men and six girls and left. The next three taxis arrived, took Allie and eight more girls. That left one man and six girls to wait for the next taxi. After the taxi Allie was in had gone away, it turned off the main road, headed down a dark alley, turned and went 
down another dark alley, stopped in front of this rundown building. The driver said, get out. Things didn't feel right. Men were sitting around everywhere. There was a strong smell of marijuana and liquor. Allie told the girl stay in the taxi. She went inside the building. It was obvious this was not the place where they had a reservation or where the first two taxis had gone. She went outside to try to call help on her phone. She found the taxi driver had made the girls get out, unloaded the luggage, and drove away. The next two taxis arrived, did the same thing. The man in the hotel said, get inside. Here they are, nine girls, foreigners, all alone, didn't know the language, dumped in an alley, and no one knew where they were. This area is a main hub of human trafficking. Allie told the girls to stay together while she continued to try to call on her cell phone. The man in the hotel kept saying, get inside. Quickly walking away, they carried their luggage back down those two dark alleys. They reached the main road, jammed with pedestrians. They went several blocks. Suddenly, a man appeared and said, I know the where the rest of your group is staying. Follow me. Up to this point, Allie was very apprehensive, but for some reason, she felt at peace following this man. They walked several blocks following this stranger. Suddenly, they saw one of the two men of their group on a street corner waiting. Allie turned to thank the man who had led them. He was gone. None of the girls saw him leave. He was just gone. Melvin Newland closes by saying this. I don't know what conclusions you may draw about that stranger who just appeared and led them to safety. Do you suppose guardian angel is more than just a word? I do. Doors, all kind of doors are swinging open. There will be opponents, no doubt. But we dare not fear the problems, but see the opportunities like Paul and go into the world and preach the gospel. Brings us back to this man, Sixto Rodriguez. Very alive and well. Craig Stridham found him, run down apartment in Detroit, poor, lost his health. Asked him what happened that night. Sixto said, after I was booed by that crowd, I sank into depression. I haven't touched music, guitar, or sang in 25 years. Craig said, you know that you're bigger than Elvis in Africa? Convinced Sixto to go to Africa to do a concert. When they got there, the crowd applauded so loud for 15 minutes they couldn't start the concert. And Sixto Rodriguez said, this has been my lifelong dream. Beautiful example of what's true. It's never too late. But it's also a warning. Because how many of us like Sixto may have had a dream perhaps years ago got put on the shelf because of some rejections or some fears. We gave up that dream and maybe it's been years. Don't let the opposition silence your dream. Trust in the one who opens doors. Know that the adversaries are there simply as a sign you're doing the right thing. But we're in good hands because we serve the God who piles mercy upon mercy upon mercy.